You're listening to Your Magical Midlife, the podcast for women 40 and up. I'm Kate Higgins. I'm a licensed clinical social worker turned coach, and I'm here to be your guide, your friend, and your mentor. I'm here to light your way into your most magical midlife. Let's dive in. Rosebud Woman was developed in response to women's unaddressed needs for beautiful, luxurious products that provide relief and pleasure for all women, whether it be for period pain, perimenopausal woes, or menopause symptoms. Intimate wellness products are often designed to use with a sexual partner or medicalized to treat a diagnosed issue. Rosebud Women feels ceremonial, like I'm doing a beauty ritual while addressing my 50-year-old body's needs. Their everyday honor bomb is gynecologist-tested and hormone-free. It hydrates, conditions, and replenishes intimate skin. It's excellent for pregnancy, perimenopause, menopause, and any other hormonal changes. Use the affiliate link in my show notes for 20% off. You can check out their products at www.rosebudwoman.com. Dot com. Check out all their beautiful products and use the affiliate code in the show notes. There's an old adage that says at a certain age, you start to turn into your parents. And I remember being really young, like in my teens and in my 20s, and thinking that this was never, ever going to happen to me. But once I became in my 40s and in my 50s, I can clearly see their imprint on me and all the habits that I picked up from them and some of the things that I've had to unlearn. I definitely learned a lot of good things from my parents and some not so good things. And there's so many things I wished that they had taught me that either they didn't or they couldn't or they didn't know how to. And so as I'm moving further and further into my middle and upper adulthood, it's a lot of unlearning, but it's also a lot of shocks where I can either hear myself saying something that my mother said all the time, or sometimes when I look in the mirror, I actually see my mother and not me. I recently was attempting to lighten my hair. And I went to my new hairdresser here in Sarasota, who is amazing, and I really like her. And we had decided together that I was going to go blonde. Now, I've had dark dark hair for the vast majority of my adult life. I had been blonde as a child and as a Like as a little tiny toddler, I was blonde. And then my hair got progressively darker, but it was definitely a blondie brown until I was about seven or eight. And then I started playing around with the color when I was a teenager. And then in my 20s, it was every color that you could possibly imagine. And then I just dyed it black when I started really working. And I did go blonde kind of as a mistake in my early 20s. I attempted to 
dye my hair in the bathroom by myself with a packet of BW2 and 40 volume peroxide. And three hours later, my hair was various shades of salmon, baby chick yellow, and pink because I had manic panic, red dye, under the black dye, and maybe even henna on top of that. So I had like a stew of various chemicals on my head, and then I put bleach on it. And of course, unsurprisingly, my hair was melting off, breaking off all over the bathroom floor in my Brooklyn apartment. So I did what any sensible 23-year-old girl would do. I put a snow hat on, I walked down the avenue, and I went door to door to every hair salon until I found some sympathetic hairdresser who basically looked at me, tisked. They all basically said they couldn't guarantee that I would walk out with any hair at all. And finally, the last lady, I think that she thought it was an amusing situation. Well, $150 later, I was blonde, but I had about an inch and a half of hair. So yeah, I was very blonde and very crew-cutted. And I thought, well, it can always grow out. So that didn't last very long. So recently when I was trying to go blonde, the thing that was the most disturbing to me and the reason why I dyed my hair back to dark brown black was because the lighter my hair got the more and more I looked like my mother in the mirror and the more and more disturbing that was to me. Down here in Florida in this humidity, my hair is quite a bit wavier than it was up in New York. So I have humidity on my side or not on my side. And the light hair and the curlyish hair, it was like, well, there's Ann Higgins right there in the mirror. And now that my mom's been gone three years, seeing her in the mirror is very disturbing. I had a very complicated relationship with my mother. I know she loved me, and I certainly loved her, but I did not live up to all the things that she wanted me to be not by a long shot. My mother very much wanted me to marry someone sensible, preferably somebody Irish, preferably a firefighter or a police officer or an electrician or a sanitation worker or a post office worker. She wanted me to marry somebody who would have a pension who would have a stable income. She wanted me to stay on Staten Island and buy a house and maybe become a school teacher or a nurse and to have a life that she could understand and to have a life that she could explain to the other mothers of my peers who I went to grammar school with and high school with when she'd run into them at the supermarket. It was very important to my mother that I have a life that she could tell other people about 
and explain to other people and maybe even feel a little bit proud of. And the life that I have had, it's basically my mother's worst nightmare. Well, maybe that's a little bit dramatic. It's not my mother's worst nightmare. Could be definitely worse. But it certainly was not what my mother envisioned for her only daughter. I am not married. I have a career that, well, she died before I started doing this, Your Magical Midlife. But before that, I was a social worker. I am a social worker, but I took on this career that she didn't understand. She supported it because it's doing, quote-unquote, good work in the world with people who are underserved or in need. So that she approved of. But it was definitely not what was expected of me. And she was quite dismayed when she found out about all my side projects. First with the Tarot, she didn't understand it. She was a little afraid of it. And I was raised very Roman Catholic. So she thought this was something nefarious, perhaps something a little evil. Perhaps I was meddling or with dark forces or something to that effect. She would always kind of make these little remarks like, well, don't put the the evil eye on somebody or don't hex that person or don't put a bad spell on somebody. She didn't really quite understand it. I told her when I was in my late teens that I didn't go to church anymore. I didn't really believe in the Catholic Church anymore. And I was practicing my own form of magic. And that really upset her when I told her that. She was very, very unhappy about that. And she was really fearful that I would perhaps, something would happen to me and perhaps I would end up in hell. Seriously, for real, in hell. And I respect that. I respect her beliefs. I don't agree with them, but I certainly respect them. And as I got older and the more we talked about it and we talked about my beliefs, she came to the understanding that I definitely agree with and understand the teachings of Jesus. It's the Catholic Church I have issue with. And I certainly adhere to many Christian beliefs because they are universal. The universal truths of being kind, of being generous, of being good to people, of being fair to people, all those things I am 120% on board with. And once she understood that, once she understood that I wasn't doing crazy, you know, animal sacrifices in the woods, well, because she knows I'm a vegetarian and I would never do that. Once she understood that I still had all the things that she's tried to instill in me, because my mother, it was very, very important to her that I be kind. Because she, despite all the flaws that I have discussed in other episodes, my mother was an inherently generous and kind person. I have a very distinct memory. I got very, very ill. The summer between third and fourth grade, I got really ill 
My fever was 106, and they could not figure out what the hell was wrong with me. And I was hospitalized for two weeks. And they ran test after test after test, including a spinal tap, all these tests, and they never figured out what was wrong with me. But I did recover, and I, and I went home eventually. But one of my memories of being in the hospital and being delirious with a fever was waking up and looking over, and my mother was sitting next to the little girl who was in the bed next to me. And that little girl had a mom that could not be there with her. Her mother was working full-time and I think had other kids to support. So my mother was over there reading to Laverne. And I remember when I woke up being horribly jealous, but also recognizing that my mother was being generous and kind to a child that did not have a mom that could be there. And I really do admire that about my mother. But I also know that as I got older and as I pushed against her kindness, as you do when you're an adolescent and a young adult, it's part of growing up is to push away the values of your family. I know that I pushed her pretty hard and she pushed me hard too. We definitely like had our disagreements. We did not see eye to eye. She, like I said, was very unhappy when I started getting into esoterica, mysticism, non-Catholic beliefs. She was very, very unhappy when I got my first tattoo, so much so that she cried and said that no one would ever marry me. She sent it to my face. She was very upset when I dyed my hair all kinds of colors because in 1989, 1990, 1991, you didn't see people on the street with artificially colored hair. You just didn't. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing for a young girl to wear combat boots. It wasn't a thing to wear vintage clothing. It wasn't a thing to get a tongue ring. It wasn't a thing to have piercing in your face. It wasn't a thing for young girls to get tattooed. These were all back then in the late 80s and early 90s, socially stigmatized things. My mother went right from her parents' house into the apartment that she shared with my father when they got married. I lived with men. I lived on my own. I backpacked across Europe alone and with some female friends, depending on the week, who I was with. I did things I think scared the crap out of my mother. And it caused a lot of contention between us that unfortunately I was really only beginning to repair when she died. And it is a burden for me to carry, knowing in so many ways I let my mother down. But I suspect on the other hand, she secretly admired all the things I did, my rebellious spirit, the fact that I always had to choose my own way to do things, the fact that I pushed the limits of what was expected of me, the fact that I did burlesque in my late 30s and early 40s. I think that blew her ever-loving mind. She, I wish I could upload a recording 
of her face when I told her about burlesque. And I was terrified to do so. And I was, I don't know, 41, 42, when I got around to telling her this. I invited her to come see me at the New York Burlesque Festival because I was doing a tribute to Topsy the Elephant, who was a Coney Island fixture. She was an elephant that was electrocuted in front of a live audience by Thomas Edison. And my mother had worked at Coney Island as a teenager. So she had a fondness for Coney Island. She was a Brooklyn girl, born and raised. And I thought, this is the perfect time to tell her about my creative outlet, my art form, all those things. She had previously come to a gallery opening where there were photographs of me and my friends at the Mermaid Parade in Coney Island on display. So she knew that once a year, I created a outlandish costume and paraded on the boardwalk of Coney Island with a couple of hundred other people. And she definitely thought this was an eccentric hobby, but she accepted it. She thought it was kind of funny. She knew that, you know, I was offbeat. I was living my own life. I was doing things on my own terms. She didn't necessarily approve of it that I was walking around in Coney Island in a bedazzled bikini, maybe with some weird things glued to it. But she definitely, I think, respected my audacity or my gumption or my inability to just be a school teacher in my white picket fence on Staten Island with my three kids. I think that she was at the same time embarrassed that this reflected poorly on her, or so she thought, and also secretly admired that the fact that I could live a life that was joyful to me, made sense to me, and was fun. But she was definitely worried that there was no man to take care of me. Definitely worried about that. So it's really hard as a woman who's a no, I was going to call myself a young woman, but that ship has definitely sailed. It's definitely hard as a woman to have this person that raises you, that is supposed to teach you how to live your life and have that person judge you when you're not living the life that they think you should live. And I know that this is a central theme for many, many, many women And I'm sure a lot of men who cannot live up to whatever their father thinks that they should have been. I'm sure this is a universal theme for all of us, that we aren't necessarily living up to who our parents think we ought to be, how we've let our parents down, how we are carving out our own paths in life, and how hard that can be, and how hard it is to be different than your family or to not live up to their expectations and to maybe live a life that doesn't make sense to them. My life doesn't make any sense to anyone in my family. I am sure of that. If my mother was still alive and she knew that I took a voluntary layoff from my job, 
Oh my God, she would be, the anxiety that she would not express to me, the anxiety that she would keep to herself, surely would have pushed her over the edge. My mother had this thing that she did when she disapproved of something that I did because it made her nervous or anxious, she just wouldn't say anything about it. She just wouldn't say anything. When I told her I was moving to Florida, she, there was the longest pause in history on the phone. And then she said, I'm sure you'll figure it out. She didn't say, I'm so excited for you. This is a great decision. At the time, housing was much more affordable here. She didn't say this is a great opportunity for you to maybe buy a home, start your life, blah, blah, blah. She didn't say any of that. She just said, long, 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 epic pause. I'm sure you'll figure it out. If you think this is the right decision for you, I'm sure you'll figure out a way to make that be. You've always figured it out. That was the epitome of my mother's version of encouragement. So when I see myself in the mirror, and now that I'm an age that I remember my mother being very clearly, to see my face changing and looking like hers, and to hear myself occasionally scolding my partner or giving unwanted advice in what I could swear is my mother's voice, it's very disconcerting. I am hoping that I can take the parts of my mother that I really admired, her creativity, her sense of humor, her wit, and her generosity, and her kindness, and I can move forward in my life carrying forward those traits and leaving behind her over-sacrifice, her inability to advocate for herself, her sadness, her isolation. And I really hope that if there is a great beyond, if she has any awareness of me from wherever she is now, I hope that she can see what I am doing with my life. And I hope that wherever she is, she is smiling. And I hope that however your parents feel about however your life has shaken out in your 40s or in your 50s or in your 60s, if they cannot outwardly tell you that, you, that they are proud of you, I hope deep down you can feel their quiet admiration. And with that, we shall choose a tarot card for this episode. And I'm going to take my cards out and I'm going to give them a little shuffle. And the card for this episode is the Two of Cups. The Two of Cups is a beautiful card. It's a card where we are taken off guard by wonder and excitement and romance and love. And I think I'm going to interpret this card for this episode as you would be surprised. Maybe I would be surprised if I knew how 
amused and deeply proud my mother is looking at me from afar at my life and where it is now. And maybe you too would be surprised to know how deeply your parents admire the life that you've created for yourself. That's all I have this week. I'll see you next Thursday. Have a good week and behave yourself. Thanks again for listening to Your Magical Midlife. I'm Kate Higgins, your host. You can follow me on Instagram at Your Magical Midlife. You can check out my offerings on my website, www.yourmagicalmidlife.com. I offer one-to-one coaching, group coaching, retreats, a blog, and this podcast. Please remember to like, rate, and review to keep me in those algorithms. Have a great week. See you soon.